thank you voices and praise. How many of you believe it's still the cross? They didn't tell me you were this quiet in Missouri. How many of you believe it's still the cross? Jesus Christ, his blood is still saving and redeeming and bringing men and women to him. If you listen to those words, lives are uh, changed, chains are dropped off. And uh, for us to be here today is just a great pleasure to be here in the presence of God with you. It's great to be here with you. Uh, We heard there were great things going on in your church, and we had to come down here and find out what's going on. And uh, heard about your uh, announcement last week about your planning your uh, church, and what a great venture of hope. And we just want to commend you on that. And I think you've got one of the greatest pastoral couples in North America, maybe the world. Do you think so? I'm going to say it again. They're so quiet here, Pastor. I think you've got one of the best pastoral couples in North America, don't you? Yeah. Well, we're delighted to be here, and I visit a lot of churches, and in a lot of churches I can't do this, and that's probably it's a sad thing. But as the church of Jesus Christ begins to function probably more in urgency than it has in many, many years... Because Satan is pressing in hard on the church. The church is rising again. Amen? That's your clue. Amen. And what he's doing is he's stirring the next generation to be the church. Now, I started teaching music 50 years ago. And my students were 17 and 18-year-old high school students. And they, Lord has let me hang around young people like this all these years. But I've seen something happen in the last three or four years that I've never seen happen before and that God is stirring the hearts of our young people to be the church. And I just want to do something. I can't do everywhere, but I want this church to see your treasure. If you're under 30 years of age, would you stand? 30 on down to zero and stay standing. Don't be bashful. This is the treasure of your church. Amen? Amen. In there, that's... And I just want to say to all you young people, the church needs you. The church needs you to give witness to what you've heard this morning. The church needs you to be courageous and be strong and go out in the name of Christ because the world's going to press on you harder than they've ever pressed on any of us. So will you pray for them? Two of you? Yes. God bless you all. You may be seated. It's uh, wonderful to be with you. And uh, today I want to talk to you really kind of an echo of what you talked about last Sunday in the planning of your church is that God is up to something and he's calling the church to be the church. And sometimes it feels real uncomfortable because he's asking us to do things we've never done before, right? He's asking us to go plant churches, and he's asking us to go to Guatemala, and he's asking us to go to Haiti, and he's asking us to go across our driveway next door to our neighbor and tell him about Jesus, and that is so scary. But he's stirring us up. He wants the church to be alive and well, and I think he's got us at this moment in time in what I call a teachable moment. Did you know God's church has had teachable moments and great revivals have broken out? I think we're right at the middle of one of those teachable moments right now. Now, I had some teachable moments when I was growing up. Um, You see, my mother had this beautiful white sofa. And I know she told me not to do it, but I did not understand the significance of drinking grape juice on a white sofa. 
I had an incredible teachable moment with my mother. She was here, and I was here, and she explained to me why that wasn't a good thing. And all these years later, I've got a phobia about sofas, I have to tell you. See, I I told my mother, the spot wasn't that big. You know, you just turn the cushion over, but every time I passed that sofa for all those years, I knew it was there. And I felt this incredible sense of guilt about that teachable moment. I had post-traumatic sofa disorder. (laughs) And so even today, if I walk into a room, I apologize to the sofa for that past sin. I had an amazing teachable moment with my father about an unfortunate incident with his car. I thought I'd ask his permission to take it, but apparently he didn't remember that. And so my father and I had this face-to-face, very teachable moment. I have never forgotten it since. Matter of fact, I've passed it along to my sons. Don't you ever take the car without my permission. Teachable moments. Do you realize that God's Word from beginning to end are written accounts of teachable moments between God and His people? You see, we have a hard time learning. We, we get kind of thick-headed sometimes, and God, God wants to teach us something, and it gives me great comfort to go down through the stories of the Bible with the great heroes of the Bible and find out God had to get in their face too. And today I just want to talk to you about this, this command that God has given us to be the church and this simple instruction that he gave to Peter when he said, upon this rock I will build my church. And I want to spend a little time just today. What did he mean by that? What does it mean to build a church upon a rock? Well, our best example is in Matthew chapter 16. uh, Beginning with about verse 13. If you have your Bible or your iPad or your smartphone or your dumb phone or whatever you carry, if the Bible's in it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13. Jesus is preparing his disciples for the cross, for the cross that Voices in Praise just sang about. He's getting them ready for something they did not anticipate was coming, but he's preparing the way, and he's beginning to set the stage for the church, for the church of Jesus Christ, for this church, and for all the churches that speak his name. This is what Jesus said. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or maybe one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ, to keep it a secret. That didn't work real well, did it? Secret's out. He was the Christ, and he was the Son of the living God. And he got in Peter's face, and he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And it's almost like he gets in our face, and he says, who do you say that I am? Not not your father, not your brother, not your sister. Who do you say that I am? And as Peter answered, you're the Son of God. And then Jesus gave this kind of an interesting response, on this rock, I'm going to build my entire church. 
Well, what did, he, what did he mean by that very, very teachable moment? Well, there have been several in passages of Scripture, and I got curious when I read that for the first time, and I said, I'm going to go through from Genesis to Revelation, and I'm going to kind of figure out what he meant by this rock, and has it ever been ret- referred to before? And I discovered some amazing things. For example, you remember when Moses was about ready to lead Israel across the Jordan River, and and God told him, you aren't going, and he pointed Joshua, and, and so Moses died. Joshua took over, and Joshua was preparing Israel to make that last step, that last journey across the Jordan River, and Joshua told the people, this is the night before, Joshua 3, 5 said, then Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord God is going to do amazing things among you. I, I, I kind of like apply that to Marshfield Church. Get ready. Uh, it's, it's a scary thing. You're going to plant a church. Get ready. Are you ready? God's going to do amazing things. That's what Joshua said to them. Get ready. In verse 10, he said, This is how you know that the living God is among you. He will drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Jayhawks. I'll wait. I never know what territory I'm in. And a few Royals fans that might be in town. He said, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord? All of the earth is going to go ahead of you through this Jordan. In other words, everything has come to this point. A teachable moment, Israel. Verse 15 said, as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped and piled up in a great heap a distance away and they went, began to go through on dry land. Verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. Teachable moment. While all Israel watched and passed by, the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Joshua chapter 4, 4. So when they got through, Joshua called together the 12 men he appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of your Lord and into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take a stone upon his shoulder. Now these were not small rocks. These were big stones. These were things you could put a foundation on a house with. Pick up one of those stones and put it on your shoulder, one for each of the tribes of the Israelites, and this is to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? What what do these rocks mean? Tell them the story and tell it over and over and over and over again. The rock. Is God going to build his church Upon that rock, the telling of those stories over and over again. You see, Scripture tells us in many different places that part of our commitment as followers of Jesus Christ is to stand on something solid and secure. And in this passage, it was the remembrance of that time when they went through the Jordan and they could point back to that pile of rocks and say, God met us here. And they did that for generations. I'd like to talk to you about three rocks today. The rock we remember, the rock who came, and the rock who dwells. Each of these descriptions of the rock, perhaps, that Jesus was talking about, may speak to us today. In Genesis 28, 18, for the sake of time, you all remember the story. Jacob was, uh, had a dream, and he was out in the middle of nowhere. 
and uh, he was in western Kansas, maybe, and he was all by himself, and there was nothing as far as you could see. He had this dream about angels coming up and down this ladder as, as they went into heaven and they descended from heaven, and that dream was, so, it was such an impression on him that he heard the voice of the Lord. And God said to him, I will not leave you until every promise I have given you is fulfilled. How's that for a teachable moment? Absolutely incredible. What did, what did Jacob do? It said, early the next morning, this is verse 18, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head, he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. He called it Bethel, which means if the Lord goes with me, I will go. Teachable moment, another rock. Let me ask you a question today. How many of you had a, have had a point in time as you look back over all the events of your time, that you had nothing else you could do in that moment but cry out to God for help, and he answered. Has anybody had that experience? Hold them up real high. Okay, hold on, don't lose. Young people, see over here? These rocks are to remind you that God has answered their prayer. You see them? Okay. Jacob wanted to make sure that he never forgot what happened to him there. And again, if you go into 1 Samuel... Israel really wasn't a very good army. They really didn't fight very well. They didn't have the best equipment. But something happened when, when the Lord would descend, Israel would be invictors. And when the Lord would depart, they were losers. And God came, and then he went, and then he came. And oftentimes when they were disobedient, he just said, okay, do it on your own. And they didn't do very well. In 1 Samuel 7, there, there's, this, there's this passage where it talks about the Philistine army is gathered to attack them. They were losers. They were afraid. The Philistines were a mighty warrior. They were kind of like the Supreme Court, nine of them. What do we do now? But on that day, the Lord showed up and thundered with a mighty thunder, and the Philistines panicked, and they ran in all directions, and they killed each other. Figure that out. 1 Samuel 7, 12 said, Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named the stone Ebenezer, which means thus far the Lord has helped us. Do you have any Ebenezers? This is participation day today. Man, any of you have an Ebenezer? Lord, help me. I can't explain it, but at that moment in time, God taught me something about him. He, he, he was my Ebenezer. We used to sing that song in church, uh, Here I Raise My Ebenezer. I thought he was a guy, you know. I didn't know what we were doing with poor old Ebenezer. What it is is those moments in our lives that we can look back on and say, that was God, and that was God. Amen? If you've experienced it, God has had you in a moment of teachable, and a teachable moment. So how many could attest to that? It's your ministry. It's your word. It's what you say to people. I remember the time. And I have a feeling that those are the rocks of remembering. And God has given us those moments in time so we could look back at those points and tell it to our children and our children's children to tell them the story about how God came at that moment. And upon the rocks of remembering, the testimony and the witness of the church to the next generation, I think Jesus is going to say, I'll build my church on that rock. The rock of remembering. May we not forget. Secondly, the rock who came. God's relationship to man throughout the Old Testament was one of coming and going. When God came, things were great. When God left, it didn't go too well. 
One of the great fears of mine for our nation right now is that God will not depart from us. And I believe the only hope is the church and the church's desire to have God present and real and beside us and fighting the battle on our behalf. I believe we're at a point in time where God needs to come. But listen to this. The prophet Isaiah, long before the Savior came, began talking about a a stone. He said, there's a rock coming. He said, you need to get ready. This isn't going to be a rock like any other rock. He said, this is going to be the rock who comes. This rock that's coming is going to come in the form of a child. It's going to come in the form of a baby. Doesn't make any sense. How could a rock be a baby born in Bethlehem in a stable? Isaiah is saying, this rock is going to be the rock of ages. This rock is going to be the rock Christ Jesus. This is the rock that you're going to stand on as you build my church. Isaiah 28 says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. One who trusts in this stone will never be dismayed. Are you ever dismayed? Isaiah said, If we trust in that stone, we'll never be dismayed or discouraged or feel like we're all alone. And then in Matthew, the encounter, Jesus Words of Jesus in Matthew 21, he said, Have you never read the scriptures? The stones the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it's a marvelous thing. The stone that once came and left and came and left has now come to dwell with us. And the rock of ages walks with us and talks with us and ministers to us. And as you read the Gospels and you see the life of Jesus and you read about what he was doing, he was doing rock stuff. He was praying for those that needed healing. He was praying for those that needed spiritual recovery. He was praying for those that needed hope. He was the rock that gave hope to the world. And he came and he spent time with us in the flesh and we read about him and then he went to the cross. And he went to the cross. They did an interesting thing. They put the rock in a rock. Do you ever think about that? They dug a hole in the rock. They put the rock of ages in the rock and they rolled a rock over the rock over the rock. Did I confuse you? Seems like that might, might work. Well, Jesus gave us so many examples of what our foundational strength needs to be. And a few years ago when I went to Israel, uh, we did all the places, and there are all kinds of places. If you go to Israel, there's the place where Jesus did this, and there's a T-shirt shop. And then there's a place where Jesus did this, and then there's a T-shirt shop. And at a lot of those places, the guide that was with us said, this is kind of close to where it was, but you know, it's not probably the real place. And I always wondered about the words of Jesus when Jesus said, if my people... Don't tell the story about me. If, if my people, the church that I'm trying to build, don't, don't tell these stories about the times in their lives or they don't tell their story about what happened on the cross, if they don't tell these stories, the rocks are going to cry out. They're going to do it for me. And I'll build my church on those rocks. Well, we, we wandered around Israel and it was 110 degrees and it was hot. And Our guide who was a Christian professor said, I want to show you a place that is real. And so we went in this back room and down these stairs and down these stairs and down these. We kept going lower and lower. And we were about four stories below the street level. It was a place they called the courtyard of Antonius. My, I'm about six feet. The room ceiling was about seven feet. 
It was very, it was very small, and on the, on the floor was just giant stones. And there were candles burning there, and there were all, it, was very, it was a very beautiful place. And our guide told us, he said, of all the places I've shown you, most of them aren't the real place. He said, this is the real place. He said, the courtyard of Antonius is where Jesus stood while Pilate accused him for us. And he said, we're pretty sure these were the stones. And there were about 30 of us standing there in the quiet of that room. After he said that, we just kind of looked at those stones. And someone who was with us began singing, holy, 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 and pretty soon the rest of the group joined in. I suddenly realized at that moment that rocks could sing because we were standing on the rocks upon which the rock of ages stood before he died for our sins, and those rocks testified to us. And so in my mind, I went back to that scripture which said, if my people don't praise me, if they don't cry out for me, the rocks will tell my story. And we were standing on the rocks, weeping with a story that they were telling us that day. Another place we went, there was just a small hole in a rock wall. It's called the garden tomb. Supposedly, it's a place where Christ was laid. And you go inside it, and it's just a, just a cave. And Christ was laid there. And it's kind of an amazing thing. We had communion. But there's a little sign beside that rock, beside the rock, that said he's not here. Those rocks cried out to me that day that we serve a living God. And as I began to think about that, well, maybe I'm a rock too. Maybe it's my responsibility to talk to my friends and my neighbors and my community that he is alive and he's risen and he's the hope of the world. Let, don't, I'm not going to let a walk wall do my testifying for me. I'm going to be the one to testify for the rock Christ Jesus. My whole mind kind of took a different turn that day as we thought about that. Well, there's been many examples before of rocks that we remember times in our lives when God came. There, there is perhaps a time in your memory when you gave your heart to Christ. If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that. Because that moment in time is probably one of the most teachable moments you can ever have. You heard the song this morning. You heard a testimony. My chains fell off. I've been set free. Amen? There's no more teachable moment than when the Christ of Calvary the rock of ages, forgives us of our sins and embraces us and said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he's looking at you. And he's looking at me. Finally, the third rock. It's the rock who dwells with us. Very soon in Matthew, Jesus said, I'm going away. And I'm going away for a purpose because I'm going to send you someone else. This spirit that I'm going to send you is going to be telling you the words that I tell him to say. He's going to be bringing you words from God to you personally, teachable moments through the Holy Spirit. And he said this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears from me, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from me what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will take me from what is mine and make it known to you. Here's the story. Very shortly after that, Jesus was preparing the disciples for his departure. 
And he said this, and this explained the rocks to me in Scripture. He said, as you come to this, this is First Peter, as you come to this, the living stone that's been rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you are also like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Did you know we have become rocks? We become letters. It's kind of like we're wearing a sign, and what that sign says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not written on stone. It's not, it's not a part of a rock wall. It's written deep in our hearts. And here's the crux of my message to you today is God has called us to be the church, a church that remembers, a church that knows him, and a church that goes from here and shares the good news of the gospel because it's written on our hearts and we cannot keep silent. Now, that doesn't know any age. It means at high school. It means with your friends. It means with your work colleagues. It means with your neighbor. We carry around with us this this thing that God says, I'm going to build my church on that. And for the Marshfield Church of the Nazarene, he's calling you right now. I'm going to build my church on that and that his people will go and tell the world. Well, I believe this church is the Church of the Rock. And uh, when I saw that garden tomb and that big stone that rolled away, I thought, when I saw that, I said, man, this is the church of the rock and roll. You know, we're the rock and roll church. We're the church that gathers no moss. We're we're, we're a church that, that understands what God has done for us, and then we roll. We go out into our communities and we share the good news and we love people and we we help them when they're in need and we pray for them when they're sick. We bring them food when they're hungry. And when we do that, we say, it's because of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, we have a teachable, teachable moment where God says, I'll give you the words to say. And you will see the Marshfield Church of the Nazarene do some exciting things because you're built on the rock and you have become the rock. In closing today, there's a, <clears throat> there's a story that I heard a number of years ago, and it kind of points out to this about we have got to be on the move. There was a story of a businessman, and he was coming through a town late at night, and he had car trouble. As a matter of fact, his car just stopped running, and he pulled over to the side of the road, and he looked around. There was, there was nothing as far as he could see, and he didn't know what to do, and pretty soon a pickup truck pulled up, and a guy rolled down his window. Rolled down the windows. They used to have cranks on them. I have to explain. Okay. And he said, you need some help? And the guy said, yeah. He said, my car's broken down. I don't know what to do. And the guy said, well, the garage is closed, but he said, if you like, you can come home and stay with me and my wife, and she'll make some dinner, and we'll get it taken care of tomorrow. So he did. He, his wife fixed a wonderful dinner, and he slept in this house for the night. And he got up in the morning, got his car fixed, and he left. He got back to his, his home, and he suddenly realized, I didn't even know their name. I forgot to ask them who they are. And he said, I, I, I said, thank you, but I want to say thank you again. So he got out a pen and started writing. It was before email, okay? He got out a pen and started writing. And he folded that letter up of gratitude and thanks, and he put it in an envelope. And he knew the name of the town, so he wrote the name of the town, but he didn't know who to send it to, so he wrote to the man and woman who know God. Three days later, the postman walked up the front door and knocked on the door, said, I believe this letter's for you. That's a rock that rolls. You see, the compassion of Jesus Christ 
just to help somebody who was in trouble, without saying a word, gave an opportunity to spread the word of Jesus Christ to the world. I think he's calling you all to do that. So I would say tonight, uh, this afternoon, I'm going to ask Voices of Praise to come, if you would. We have another song. But I, I'm going to ask us, uh, Pastor Brian, would it be okay? You, you've, you, you and your congregation is doing a very courageous thing to plan a church. You, you never really know what's going to happen. But I just want you to know, God's going to bless that. He's going to bless it over and over again. And Pastor, I, I just ask you and your wife to come. And pastoral staff, Selena, why don't you come? I'm, just kneel here. And if you would tonight, today, I, I would just like for those of you that would like to come, just to come and lay hands on them. Pray for your pastoral staff, but also lay hands on each other. Pastor, why don't you come? And why don't you all come and join? Um, I know last Sunday was, a, was an incredible morning. And uh, let's, just, let's just end this service with a confirmation. Those of you that would come, just come. You see, when, when, a, when God calls you to do something, he never calls you to do something small. He calls us to do something enormous. Your pastor and his wife and your pastor and staff are beginning to follow God's command, and he needs you to pray for them. He needs you to be the church. Just put your hand on somebody's shoulder as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, You've given us some very teachable moments. And when you come into a church like Marshfield Church of the Nazarene and say, I want, you to, I want you to reach this community for Christ in new and different ways, and then he gives us the assignment, Lord, sometimes we have to admit we gulp because we really don't know what that's going to mean. But, Lord, we know that if you're in it, and if your power is in it, like your power was in the resurrection that, that you experienced on our behalf, Lord, that same power is in this church. And it's in the hearts of the believers, and it's written on the hearts of the men and women who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ and participants in this church and this community. Lord, we just ask that you strengthen and encourage and, and just, just give vision to your pastor and his wife and, and uh, to Selena and the planning of this new church and the church staff and all who are a part of this that do something, Lord, amazing before their eyes, that they will see that you are God and you are, you are actively at work in the church. Lord, we, uh, we have been redeemed because of the blood of the Lamb. You have given us new life and new hope. And Lord, today we go from this place and we look out into a world that oftentimes we just don't see the people that are all around us who are desperately searching for hope. Lord, let Marshfield Church of the Nazarene be the church. Let it be the rock. Let it be the rock that rolls out into this community in every direction. And someone will say, if you want to find some people that are truly following God, go to that Marshfield Nazarene church over there. Something big is happening there. And Lord, whatever it is, it's not for our credit. It's for yours. And for your name, we give you praise. Amen. Thank you, folks. I'm going to ask Voices of Praise to sing one more song, and then we'll turn it over, Pastor, to you too.